hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Excursion from India. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I am on episode number two and I really appreciate your presence. Um, I started this podcast, like I mentioned before, to give you uh, an opinion and an idea on Christianity, uh, Indian Christianity, her fault lines, her politics, and all of the above, and the false narrative that is going on about uh, Christianity being a minority religion among other religious uh, minority religions out there. Um, um, specifically, specifically the two Abrahamic religions who, who, uh, who have uh, basically uh, totally uh, destroyed the Indian subcontinent, um, and and being part, being an ex-Christian, I thought I would give you my opinion. Uh, before we go into all of that, it is important for me uh, to give you the background behind this. So I told you why I left Christianity, but what is Christianity? And before you ask what is Christianity, you always have to ask, who am I? Who am I as a human being? If I remove the label, who am I? Uh, am I? Uh, what am I made of? Uh, and so I'm just going to go briefly into who we are. Um, my friends, who we are, how did we come to be? How did the human race, how did this a species of life come to be on the planet and we'll go from there and then we'll talk about the geomagnetics behind who we are okay so how did we start as a civilization you ask uh, who are we to understand the civilization we have to understand the beginning of this planet and our solar system let me give you a, a little refresher course on our cosmos scientists believe that approximately 4.6 billion years ago a giant star in our galaxy exploded. As some would say more than 4.6 billion. It sent shockwaves through the universe, forming a huge cloud of oxygen. It littered the galaxy with nebulae, that is fields of dust particles, nitrogen, oxygen, iron, and silica. This hydrogen cloud collapsed, forming rings of gas and dust, which formed what we have now come to know as our solar system. The solar system is a bubble. It's just a bubble. It's called a heliosphere, where our sun is the supreme creator. And I mean literally. The forces of gravity pulled the small particles together, and which condensed, forming our planet. Our sun is the center of this solar system. At its core, through a dynamo process, it is really a nuclear furnace, which a scientist call, uh, which as scientists call it, um, turns hydrogen into helium at temperatures of 27,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Each second, the sun loses 4 million tons of mass, which releases energy. This energy takes a million years to reach the surface, um, but 8 minutes and 20 seconds to reach Earth. This energy is what we call sunlight. On analyzing the sunlight, scientists were able to tell us to what the sun was made up of. 73% hydrogen and 24% helium, plus a few other lighter elements. Now imagine a nice green lawn and you were walking on the lawn and all of a sudden the sprinklers go off. There is water everywhere and if you were me, you would start swearing. 
Well, if we look closely, we'll see the embedded that, Im that we will see that embedded under the surface of the grass at regular intervals or along the sides of, of a lawn uh, is a sprinkler system, which causes the water to rise in fountains over the lawn. With regards to the sun, the sprinkler system is called a dynamo process at its core. The gases that the furnace forms releases magnetic energy caused by the movement of the inner core at 27,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It releases like sprinklers through the surface through magnetic force lines forming huge loops. These magnetic loops flip every 11 years. Midway through, the sun is at its magnetic maximum. The magnetic loops spin um, at different speeds, at the equator and at the poles. At the equator, these magnetic forces rotate once every 26 days, and at the poles, it takes 37 days. This difference distorts the magnetic field. The surface of the sun is known as the photosphere. The layer below is called the chromosphere. Um, it is through these layers that the raging magnetic forces, 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit, are released. Gas is thus released up to 30,000 feet miles high. Sorry, Eruptions on the surface occur, triggered by magnetic forces below. It releases what we know as solar wind. This solar wind is highly charged solar particles, which are then spread to the solar system, where it will reach us. This brings us to planet Earth. Our planet, 4.6 billion years ago, approximately at the beginning of the solar system. Um, Earth supposedly had neither life nor water. Uh, it had molten rock. Um, as the toxic gases from our early atmosphere condensed, uh, we condenses, we got rain, pools, rivers, and ocean. Today, water forms 70% of the planet. They lock up carbon dioxide, thus the atmosphere becomes one-fifth one oxygen and four-fifth nitrogen. The heavier elements of our planet slowly sink to the center, uh, falling, forming the inner core of the planet. The inner core thus became solid iron and nickel. Around that, we have the molten outer core. Around this, the mantle of the Earth. Earth also has a magnetic field somewhat similar to the sun, the solid inner core sloshing around the molten core, outer core. Um, this causes the magnetic field and the magnetic north poles of our planet. This solid inner core, now made up of condensed iron and nickel, that sloshes around the liquid outer core. Uh, sorry, I repeated that. Uh, this movement causes the Earth's magnetic field. Earth is just part of this great solar system and it and has its own magnetic field and its magnetic poles. Earth spins on its axis, 24 hours rotation giving us day and night, but its axis is tilted uh, 23 degrees, uh, not straight up. To this rotation, we add the rotation around the orbit of the Sun. We get four seasons. Our planet is subject to the drag of the moon in its orbit and also something called precession of the equinox, where the Earth's axis moves around in circles. This slow movement takes 25,920 years. 
Now, while we explore the origins of our universe, we are doing the same through science. There are no books in ancient manuscripts to tell us what happened, nor has there been some kind of recording that takes us through the 4.6 billion years. Imagine what this would have been like. Luckily, we have very intelligent and dedicated scientists of our planet who can decode the past and give us an idea of who we are. Somewhere up the line, one civilization must have become, uh, begun to write this all down on stone or animal bone, carvings and passed it along. But the younger Dryas had it all disappeared. We have ancient carvings and monuments, but they are all in code and we are not able to decipher it today. There's only one civilization that does exist um, and that has ancient texts. It's not 4.6 billion years old, though. The world has very conveniently done everything to degrade these ancient texts. They say um, that these texts were written only around 1500 BC, but they are wrong. The ancient world, all knowledge in it, sorry, in the ancient world, all knowledge was oral, and these texts go back, way back, and no one knows how long. They are from earlier sources handed down through civilization called the Vedic civilization. This civilization spanned the entire globe, but that slowly disappeared, and it only exists today in India, and whose descendants are called Indians. Um, their land, the Republic of India. Now we... Now, these Vedic texts are in code, so if you read them, you're going to likely laugh, and you say you can't be serious. But I am serious. In the ancient world, all knowledge was handed down through symbols. So the symbols told a story. The symbols used by the ancients depended on the surrounding topography to relate their story. So the ancient Egyptians would use one type of sing uh, symbols. The Indians, the ancient Indians would... Uh, other symbols. The native Indians of America use another set of symbols, but they were all telling the same story. Just like different symbolism using flora and fauna on the ground. The knowledge was the same. They all talked about the universe, its creation, and the place us humans have in the universe. The only one of these ancient civilizations whose texts have survived today are in India. These texts are called Vedas. The Vedas, uh, ancient Sanskrit, uh, in ancient Sanskrit, uh, came from the root word vid, mean to know. It was a body of knowledge, not a religion or a faith. These, these texts have local knowledge of who they are, who they were. The Vedas were the science of the day. Science is a Latin word for knowledge. In the ancient world, when the planet spoke Sanskrit, science was known as Vedas. So basically what we are is we are the cosmos. The cosmos is made up of physical and metaphysical. That means an electro, it's a huge electromagnetic field. So the magnetic field is made up of, so, sorry, I will interrupt that. Uh, we sometimes call it a gravitational force. This gravitational force is called the metaphysical. The metaphysical is made up of two things, particles and um, um, particles and uh, energy okay the energy is negative positive and magnetic okay so you're, you've got the pyramid the the energy field the negative and positive are at um, 
90 degree angle. If you go to any, uh, if you look at the di diagram of any uh, energy field, you will see the negative and positive at the 90 degree angle. And at the 90 degree angle, you have the magnetic force, like an arrow, very much like a bow and arrow. Um, or should I say a, uh, an arrow? Yes. So uh, back in the days when they used bows and arrows, they were not fools. They knew exactly what they were. It, this has descended from a civilization that understood uh, magnetic energy. Because an arrow is exactly 90 degrees and um, the magnetic force is perpendicular to the uh, 90 degree angle, that means the right angle, uh, and so you have the negative, positive, and magnetic, and that forms the energy field, the gravitational force of the planet. You cannot see the gravitational force, you can see particles. So the particles that, uh, that join together, are brought together by the magnetic field, is what we call as mass today the mass, the human form, the form, the flora and fauna. That's who we are. We see the mass, we see the dust, the particles of dust, but we do not see the energy behind the, that dust. Um, and that dust gravitated together, brought together by the energy field, and formed into a mass. This mass then formed the planets around us. This planet, These planets, when they came together, um, when when they 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 are in the among the rings of the cosmos of of the solar system and they travel through the rings of the solar system, they become bigger and bigger and bigger over time over billions of years, and then the inner core then the heavier materials go fall to the center of the mass, and that becomes your molten uh, that becomes your inner core of nickel and and heavy metal, um, and and it's and then you have the molten outer core um at one point in, in, in the solar system your your the the planet the mass forms a planet and these planets when they come in a particular distance from the sun to to they they roll into a particular distance from the sun there's atmosphere these toxic gases then form atmosphere um and uh, these at this atmosphere then photosynthesizes to form um, flora uh, that form rain, water, uh, species of life. And the species of life could be a variety of species, millions of species. And among those species, one of those species is us, uh, the human race. Uh, among, uh, from the 4.6 billion years and from whenever the planet was formed, this human race, um, this uh, species of life, have waxed and waned. Okay, so at one time you will have one species that's more powerful than the other. At another time it will wane, and you'll have another species becoming more powerful than the other. So right now we have the human race that is more powerful than all other species. But there have been times when the humans were a minority and in cages, uh, and the animals and amphibians would have been an, another species that were more powerful than us, and they have been disappeared. So the species of life is just a form. At the center, we are all the cosmos. We are cosmic energy. Uh, and this energy moves in cycles, in absolute cycles. And these cycles are controlled by the inner core of the planet. 
so you don't move as you think you move. You're moving with the inner core of the planet. The um, the uh, sloshing of of uh, the energy field that's um, that's at the inner core. Um, and I think I yes, the solid inner core. Uh, condensed, uh, made up of condensed iron and nickel and sloshes around the liquid outer core. Um, and this movement is controls the magnetic field. And this magnetic field controls who we are because at the core, we are a cosmic energy field. We move with the geomagnetics of the planet and the geomagnetics are cyclic. So if you want to know what how we move, go to the beach and you will see currents and waves. Uh, those currents are controlled by the inner forces, the magnetic forces at the center of the, of the Earth. The energy field of the Earth, the inner core, controls the currents and waves. Similarly, we are an energy field and it controls who we are. We move in cycles exactly like the currents uh, and waves of the ocean. We are the ocean. Uh, we are an ocean of cosmic energy. Uh, we don't move as we choose to move, and that's how people in religions talk to us. Uh, we are magnetic fields. So everything about us is in cycles. That, my dear friend, is the photosynthesis and the metamorphosis of the species of life, including the human species. So we are evolution. We started with a big bang, and then from there, we evolved. This cosmos evolved. The galaxies, the cosmos, the heliosphere, um, and um, and then the species of life. So uh, we're no different from the species next to us. All life and all species matter. Uh, there is no label. These labels are man-made ignorance that's brought to us. We are currents and waves. It's our currents that form the waves. So the day we start pointing fingers at others, we are absolutely a bunch of ignorant people uh, because it's our currents that form the waves. You have to understand that. Uh, that is the basis of who you are. That is the equation. Once you understand the equation, the rest is all fill in the blanks. Okay? It's like in order to compose a sentence, you need the grammar. In order to compose a civilization, you need the science. Once you have the science behind the cosmos, once you have the science behind the currents and the waves, you will be free. All you got to do, the rest is fill in the blanks because we're just repeating. The waves, the format of the waves don't change. The format of the currents don't change. It's the same water over and over again. Um, and that's exactly who we are. So having said that, the earth is circular, is, is around, it's not flat. Okay, we understand that the ancient religions, especially the Abrahamic religions, uh, consider the earth flat, but we are not flat. We are circular, we're cyclic, okay? Um, and the earth's energy field, the magnetic field, it's made out of two dipoles, okay? So uh, these dipoles, okay, meet at one, they go around. Um, if you want, you can, while I'm talking, um, you can just type magnetic field of planet of of the earth magnetic field of earth okay and you've got you you can go onto google and you will see the magnetic field of the earth so you you see a mass we see mass but in reality it's controlled by a magnetic field and this magnetic field of the earth 
has a um, meet at the center, okay? Uh, there are two dipoles, um, meet at the center, and that center, the geomagnetic center of the planet is Cairo, my friend, okay? So if you haven't got this, type into Google magnetic field of Earth, you will see her magnetic field, you'll see two dipoles, and they meet at, um, I'm not saying uh, they start, they meet at uh, one place on the planet, the geomagnetic center of the planet, that, my dear friends, is Cairo. Now, this magnetic field has a north pole and has a south pole, okay? Uh, those geomagnetic, uh, the geographic north pole is fixed, geographic south pole is fixed, but there's something else. I, I apologize. I'm going to take that back. The geographic North Pole is fixed and the geographic South Pole is fixed. That doesn't move, okay? The geographical, um, you know, New York doesn't move. The energy, the clouds move, but New York remains the same. So, the geographic North Pole and the geographic South Pole remains the same. But the magnetic poles move because the a magnetic energy is always moving. So, it moves about 25 kilometers a year. So uh, we have the geomagnetic uh, South Pole and you have the geomagnetic North Pole. These geomagnetic North Poles move 25 kilometers a year, okay? Now that's very important and it meets at Cairo, okay? Cairo is the geomagnetic center of the planet. Um, and that is very, very important to, to know. So, um, if you want, you can type in geomagnetic uh, center of the planet um, and you will see it definitely meets at Cairo. Um, you will also see the different, uh, you, you can go into images, you can see all of that. Um, it's absolutely fantastic to know about. Now, what is important to, to note that Along uh, the from the geo from the geographic north pole to the geographic south pole, we have something called fault lines. So the energy of the Earth comes out of the Earth, and there's um, where the, these fault lines are where um, the magnetic energy it as it comes out at its maximum. So the magnetic field is is going through the Earth's surface, but through these fault lines all along the planet's surface. Uh, they come out there at its maximum, okay? And these fault lines, what they do are cause um, cause our tectonic plates of the planet to shift. So we know that our continents, you know, a billion years ago were not the same place it was now. And it shifts. Uh, and it shifts along these fault lines which, which move the tectonic plates of the planet. Okay, that's very, very important to know. So if you go onto my Hub Hopper page, um, you will see... Right on the first page, um, the main page, I have a picture of first century Judea. It's a geograph, it's a it's a map of first century Judea. Okay, what you see are fault lines. What you see is is sorry, a map of the kingdom of Judea, Samaria, Galilee. Okay, but on this podcast, I have put as a cover uh, picture the the. The tectonic plates behind the Levant, okay? The Levant is where the kingdom of Israel, Syria, Lebanon sits, and it's been there for 3,000 years, okay? 
but what is important is the geomagnetics behind it because like i said um, the earth is made up of magnetic energy it has a magnetic field and it moves uh, it, it it moves continuously and this geomagnetic energy controls who we are it comes out to the earth to these fault lines and moves the tectonic plates of the planet so you will see um the main fault line is under the levant my dear friend the levant that is um israel the sinai de desert israel the levant uh, sorry, Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, and all the way up to the islands of Greece. Okay, all that are fault lines. It's a full, massive fault line. It's one of the most important fault lines of the planet. The other one is the Pacific Ring, Rim. And that's why you have so many earthquakes and tsunamis in, um, in uh, uh, Japan. Uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, that place. But that's one of the big lines of the planet and the 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 biggest is below uh the levant so fault lines means the tectonic plates below the earth's surface shift all the time okay uh they completely completely shift so in the african side you have the african plate okay uh that's that uh is is on one side of the fault line um this fault line is called the dead sea fault system okay so the Dead Sea Fault system, uh, if you go um, upwards, uh, you will have the, um, sorry, let's start with the African plate. So the African continent has the African plate. The Arabian continent is one tectonic plate. It's called the Arabian plate. Um, if you go further up north, you in the Levant, you have the um, Levantine subplate. Okay, you go up to Turkey and Turkey, that tectonic plate that forms Turkey is the Anatolian subplane. And if you go further up, you go to the East Anatolian fault line. But just underneath the Levant, you have a fault line. And it is the major fault line of this area. One of the most powerful, most active fault lines uh, where the tectonic plates are always friction. This is called the Dead Sea fault line. Very important to understand this. This causes the different areas in this region, the um, the tectonic plates, to there's friction between these plates, okay? And because of the friction, there is always uh, volcanic eruptions, there are earthquakes, there are, um, you know, um, there are uh, volcanoes, um, there are basaltic movements below the surface of the earth, um, and it's very difficult zone to live in. Uh, earthquakes, this is a massive earthquake zone, a massive volcanic zone. Uh, and this then causes loss of life, uh, a disruption in the food chain and a disruption in the human chain. When the food chain is disrupted, the human chain is disrupted. And then people have to flow into other areas as refugees. Because this is the geomagnetic center of the planet, all the magnetic energy on the planet converge at the center, at Cairo, okay? And that's why sometimes it's called the cradle of the planet. It's not because it's the cradle of the planet. Uh, it's because it's a geomagnetic center and all the energies have to converge at Cairo. So we, the, the, we are species of life. We will also pass through Cairo at one time in our, in our history, in our journey of life. 
And because everything comes here and it's so difficult a zone, uh, there's always turbulence over here. And we're always offloading into other areas of life. Okay, um, we, are, we are offloading as refugees into the north, into the south, uh, everywhere. Um, now, in the picture that I've put up, uh, you'll see there are also volcanic zones. The red area is the volcanic zones. Very important, Wadi Sirhan, Wadi, uh, the Arabian Shield, uh, all, all along the Red Sea coast, there is um, there's a volcanic zone. It's not, not very uh, easy a zone to live in. The brown area is the pre-Cambarian basement. There's a shield underneath that. Um, and that's why once upon a time there was a civilization over here. The civilization disappeared because the, uh, because the earth has shifted. Uh, the cyclic uh, movement of the earth has led. The precession cycle of the earth leads to the earth, the sun, uh, shining on different areas of the planet all the time and the last 9,000 years in this precession cycle which is a normal time span of 25,920 years in the last 9,000 years the earth the sun has shown on the Arabian plate uh, along the uh, North African and Arabia and leaving this area desert so the civilization over here has disappeared um, and and also because it's very difficult. Uh, once a civilization disappeared, it, it became desert. Sorry, it became desert, so the civilization disappeared, and it was a very difficult zone to live in. Anyways, being a very tectonic, uh, volcanic area because of the fault line. Now, this fault line I am telling you about because it's the most important thing you'll know in history. Everything in history is geomagnetic, so it's important whenever you learn history, the first thing you understand is your geomagnetics and then your geography, okay? Without the geomagnetics you, and geology, you do not, you cannot understand geography. Geography is just, you know, uh, the surface of the earth. But you have to understand what goes on below the surface because what goes on below the surface is the energy field that drives what goes on above the surface. And that's very important to note. So geomag geomagnetics, geology, very important. And then comes geography. Once you understand these two things, you'll understand history, economics, and politics. That's all. All the rest uh, is zero, 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 zero. So now that I've told you about the Levant, you know that there's a huge massive fault line going through the Levant. Uh, it is a very difficult zone to go through. And there are constant earthquakes, there are constant uh, uh, volcanic eruptions in the zone. You understand what it is. It, there were always pandemics in the zone. Always pandemics. What happens when you live in a pandemic, my dear friend? Um, if you have no idea, all you got to do is remember the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. Um, you have to remember the COVID-19 pandemic, what happened? So we had to isolate, we had to, the, the planet shut down, the economy on the planet shut down. Uh, isolate, wash hands, wash, 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 wash. Um, and uh, we had to wear masks, okay? What do you think happened during uh, the first century or the last 3,000 years or in the desert when you're sitting in the worst zone of the planet? 
you have an entire kingdom that is in a constant pandemic mode, constant. There is no, um, there is no relief from it. Absolutely no relief from it. Okay, and so there's a constant lockdown that happens in this area. It's the state, the kingdom of Israel was in a constant state of lockdown because it's sitting on the Dead Sea fault system. Because it's sitting on the Dead Sea fault system, uh, there are constant uh, earthquakes, that means constant uh, a scare of pandemics and constant scare of uh, transmission of diseases um, and this transmission of diseases uh, also means that it, it's very easy to catch a, a virus and die and that's why people needed uh, in those days to say have children children come from God because by having children you know that if you had 12 children at least five or six would die beforehand so you couldn't have two children and say okay well you know two children is is bad uh, to children. You have to have a gazillion children because you know you're going to lose half of them. Uh, and that was very important to know. So you know that this Levant is a, is a tectonic plate zone. Um, we know that uh, there are pandemics. We also know this is the crossroads uh, of, of civilization in the sense that um, in order to go from, uh, from Africa, uh, to uh, Arabia, you had to. This was the easiest way over land. You you could go over land and then from here go to Arabia, from there go to the Indian subcontinent, or go to um, Asia, China, and beyond, uh, Central Asia, Far East. If you also go to Europe, you also go from here um, um, to different uh, South Africa. I mean, all along the coast. But you needed to pass this zone. You needed to pass this zone. So everyone came here, not only traveled through it, but also um, did something very, very important. Bought diseases, uh, bought their goods and services for sale, but also bought their diseases. Uh, so if they were sick, they came to the zone and they had diseases. Uh, and they would transmit these diseases. So it was very important to control the population. It was very important to make sure that the population followed the rules and regulations, um, the laws. Um, and because it was easy for them, to, because it was important, they had to invent a system um, whereby people actually uh, feared, they put fear in the in, in, in the. Uh, in the people uh, to follow these laws and the best way to put fear into people to follow laws of the land in order to keep uh, maintain the society prevent the spread of diseases and pandemics uh, have a system where they can control uh, any outbreak they invented god god was important god was very 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 important um and th the only way they could do this was to say well god told us to wash hands god told us to do this god told us to pray five times a day because every time you pray then you have to wash your hands god said you must you turn right and turn left if you look at all the laws of judaism in the in the 600 mitzvot okay as they're called, if, if you look at um, the laws uh, of Christianity and Islam, they're all about washing, washing, cleaning, cleaning, keeping clean. Why? Because they were all made in the zone. 
and they were made as traditions for this particular levant. It was not made for kingdom come. It was not made for Asia. It was not made for Europe. It was not made for South America because this is not a religion of God. These are feudal traditions and customs made to circumvent the geomagnetics and the uh, geography of this land. And all they had to do was put God towards it. And guess what? You've got religions that are fighting tooth and nail for 3,000 years because God told them to spread their ignorance. This, my dear friends, is the beautiful religions of uh, Abraham. Three of them, they spent the last 3,000 years fighting with each other. And here we go. So I am going to um, start off uh, just by giving you a hint uh, to go very slowly into um, Christianity. But in order for me to go into Christianity, I do have to go into Judaism. Okay, because Jesus was what we call a Jew or Yehuda, um, and you won't understand who um, you won't understand Christianity if you do not understand, like I said, the geo geomagnetics, the geology, and the geography of the land, and you don't understand what we know as Judaism. So I'm not going to go very deep into it. I'm just going to give you a small little uh, write up about it. Um, and then we'll continue uh, the bulk of it uh, on Saturday or Sunday. So let's just go quickly into Judaism. Um, the word Judaism comes from the word uh, Ju uh, Judah or in Hebrew Yehuda. Okay, one of the twelve tribes of Israel, that is the tribe of Yehuda or Yehuda, uh, later the historical kingdom of Yehuda in Hebrew sometimes known as Mamleket Yehuda, uh, gave its name to what we know now as Judaism. The region then became the province of uh, Judea or Yehuda in uh, sorry Yehuda or Judea in English under the Assyrian Empire and later the Chaldeans. The English term for the collective people originating from this region was Jews or Jewish. The Jewish story starts about 2100 BCE. The prophet of Abraham, or in Hebrew, Avraham. Sorry about that. She's going to watch my cat. Oh, he's there. So the prophet of Abraham, or in Hebrew, Avraham, was said to be born in the city of Ur, modern-day Iraq or Mesopotamia, around 812 and 813 BCE. According to some scholars, his father was Terah, said to be an idol worshipper. Terah was not originally from the Arabian desert, around, born around 882 uh, BCE. We have no real proof where Terah was born, but the Bible, that is the Old Testament, uh, he says from the east. Now, in the Bible, Joshua 24.2, we read, Joshua said to all his people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says a long time ago to your ancestors. In, uh, including um, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates river, uh, river and worshipped other gods. It is believed that he came from around the fertile lands of the Indus Valley Civilization or modern-day northern India, Pakistan, and Afghanistan. This is because people did not live in the middle of the desert. They needed water and floods, uh, so the bulk of the civilizations lived around the river basin and their fertile lands. Uh, 
The only river basin among the Euphrates River would have been the Indus, the Saraswati and River Basin. Thus the land of the Euphrates River would most likely have meant the Indus, sorry, the land beyond the Euphrates River would have most likely meant the Indus Valley Civilization and beyond. Genesis 11.31 says Terah is asked by God to leave Ur and go into the city of Haran in modern-day Turkey. Haran in ancient city is an ancient city that lies on the banks of the tributaries of the river Euphrates. That's the Mesopotamian Valley. This is where the prophet Abraham, who was later known as Abraham, spent the first 75 years of his life. Uh, while there are some researchers who say that Haran is in modern-day Turkey, however, there lies a small town called Haran in what is known as the Indus Valley Civilization Basin, modern-day Srinagar, which does make sense. In the, in the Indus Basin is the Indus Valley Basin is a fertile valley basin with several rivers, such as rivers Saraswati, Indus, Jhelum, and its tributaries that commence in the Himalayas and flow down into the Arabian Sea. The Indus Valley Basin is modern-day North India, Kashmir, Pakistan, Afghanistan. It is also where the Silk Route passed through. You see, the regions where rivers flowed were always fertile, hence a variety of crops and abundant agriculture. Agriculture means commerce, trade, caravans. Trade means wealth and power. The control of this region has always been up for grabs. Hence, there's always existed a tug-of-war of sorts between empires, clans, and tribes. Translation violence. Even if the biblical city Haran is not located in this region, it is more than likely that Terah, the father of Abraham, could have come around here. Over time, the, as the climate changed and the rivers dried up, the Saraswati River started drying up around the 4,000 years BCE, uh, that is, two, um, sorry, around 4,000 years ago, that is 2200 BCE, and by 1900 BCE, it was gone. This is one very important event that no one talks about. This event would have been the real start of Abrahamic religion, starting with Judaism. Abraham was more than likely the descendant of the Vedic civilization. The tribes and clans situated along the Indus and Saraswati rivers would have first started fighting with each other for control of this ever-dwindling farmland or slowly moved away. On the eastern plains, they moved inwards towards the Gangetic plains and the Ganges river. The western banks of the river basins on the western banks of these river basins, they would have moved upwards towards the Mesopotamian river basin, formed on the banks of the rivers Euphrates and Tigris. In India, we have come to believe that there existed Vedic communities who would find green pastures after the river Saraswati dried up, some of whom would have migrated further up north to Central Asia, and hence we find countries that end with the suffix Stan. It means place in Sanskrit the language of the Vedas. Hence you find Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Pakistan, and Turkmenistan. These migrants would have immersed themselves in trade and commerce due to the region being fertile, which is exactly what they did. However, as the climate changed over the Indus Valley, climate, the civilization would have changed elsewhere. 
the Arabian Peninsula had been very dry since approximately 6000 BCE. Hence, there could have been the drying up of rivers everywhere, including the Mesopotamian Plateau. Um, society and culture, as we have come to know today, did not exist back then. They had warrior clans fighting to control the arid desert. Uh, and small oases left them in this vast and dry terrain. All of the above in order to control all those who passed by, to sell their wares and pottery to the few people who tagged along. This is when Abraham's father Terah would have migrated from the east, that is the Indus Valley Basin, to the Mesopotamian Valley Basin. Abraham is called the first Hebrew. The word Hebrew means someone who crosses over or passes through. What did Abraham cross over? In the Bible, there is where the term is first used, it would have primarily referred to those who crossed rivers. He and his family crossed over from the eastern side of the Mesopotamian basin to the western side, like ancestors who came from the east before him. That is, to the regions that now Syria, Iraq, and Israel formerly came. In this land we call Israel today, there were seven nomadic um, tribes, big and small. A few of the big tribes were Haiti, Girgiski, Emori, Canaan, Perisi, Hivi, Yeshvi, Yevishi. It was the Canaan tribe that would eventually take up the coastal plains, and the land came to be known as Canaan, while the other tribes disappeared from history. Um, um, Abraham and his family would have crossed over to Canaan to avoid the fighting and find fertile lands of agriculture as well as tend to flocks. With him were probably members of his tribes and tribes all looking for work, a place of trade and peace and carry on his commerce. Abraham is said to have come to Canaan, uh, where he died in Hebron. His tribe and fellow tribes would have been looking for the same thing, a place to trade on and carry on their commerce. The story floated that God told him to go to Haran, from Haran to Canaan, thus he became the first Hebrew. He, he to believe in one God and not in idols. Idols were wrong and they brought violence. When Abraham is storied to be the father of religion and concept, of the concept of one God, the God with no idols. Well, that part, my dear friends, is incorrect. I don't agree with that because this is their interpretation. I will go into what it really means tomorrow. Uh, should I say? on Saturday because I do this only once every twice a week so that my dear friend is uh, my podcast on geomagnetics and uh, the energy field behind who we are I hope you had a good time there is a lot more for this you need to have the background um, in order to understand uh, the religion or the empires behind Christianity and its fault lines. So first we go to the fault lines or the geomagnetic fault lines of the planet, which we did, and then we'll go to the fault lines of politics. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, I wish you a pleasant day and stay safe.